I want to meet some of your people. They're pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think if I put these on <laughs> that I would qualify to meet some of your people? You're pretty, yeah. <laughs> they look more like me than you, though, don't they? Should we put them on you? Sure. Do you want me to put them on, or do you want to do it? Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so I see you brought something today. I see I have something in front of me. So what? What did you bring? I don't know. Did I get a... Are you going to show us? Is that, I would like to is that permission? It. Looks like that gold stuff that Tobias has gold. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see it. Can we zoom in on it? Here we go. Here comes the unveiling. Here it comes. Here it comes. Oh. <laughs> Wait for it. Oh, what is this? <laughs> Check this out. Ooh. Oh, goodness. What on earth is that? You want to try it on? I think it matches your jacket. I'm just noticing that, guys. What have you done? Wait a minute. There, do. <laughs> Be nice. Oh, there we go. We, we need some in front, don't we? There. What, what are you this, this, this will help hold them up. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> it's I, a good I, thing I... I think we're missing the bangs. <laughs> Go ahead. I feel like... Let's try that. Dopey in Snow White. Dopey? Okay. Okay. There we go. Now, now look right there in the camera. Can, I, we, can we zoom right in here so we can see Let me figure this good? out. There we oh, go. Yeah. Oh, we're missing the... What up, are we up, missing? Up, up, up. Shoot the camera. Oh, too much. There we go. Me? Sure. I can't see. <laughs> you know, I can't... There we go. You know, not every science experiment works out like you planned. What am I supposed to be? <laughs> A B from John Take that Blackshire. off. We're studying science. <laughs> Which part? All of it? Yeah. And there's the proof. What proof? I mean, anyone whose hair can survive that? <laughs> I mean, that's not natural, is it? That Bravo. is really cute. Bravo. Okay. Is it a snail? Well, we need to get what back. What is it for real? We need to get back to science. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, we've been having some very interesting discussions about science and about electricity and about magnetism and about the way our world works. And I've been uh, talking to some of the students and grilling them on the things we talked about to see how well they got it. And what I found out is they're starting to get it. But we need more. And so I want to do a little bit more. I happen to bring a magnet on a stick. And I also brought a magnet that's just a little flat magnet. And I think there's something really interesting we can learn from a demonstration with these. Okay. We talk about generating electricity. And my goal today is that when we're finished, everybody's going to really understand this generating electricity stuff. If you don't understand it, then you shouldn't use electricity. 
<laughs> Turn the lights off. And if you can't use electricity, you can't do a solace. That's right. So you better get it. Okay? okay. So we're really, really going to get it. So imagine, if you can for a minute, a nice, big, handsome atom. It could be gold, but that's, that's Toby's budget. So <laughs> I'm going to go with copper. Okay. Okay. So okay. we got a copper atom. Can you imagine uh -huh. it? It's got a lot of protons in the in the heart in the nucleus, and going around out here, copper has a whole bunch of electrons. And in the very 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 outer orbit of this copper, are some electrons that are not connected very good because they're so far out. They're not connected to the nucleus. In fact, copper holds onto those electrons so loosely that if you had a magnet, you could push one of those electrons away from copper. And if you think of a piece of copper as being a whole big world or, or ocean of copper atoms, and you took a magnet and swooped across it, you could push the electrons from one copper atom to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. In fact, instead of having a world or an ocean of copper, what if we were to make a stream of copper? We call it wire. Imagine a copper wire, and then if you took a magnet, you could push electrons down that wire, and we would have generated electricity. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you've got these atoms in this stream. And by the way, if you have a piece of wire, you have billions of atoms. It's a bunch. And then if you take a magnet and go down that wire, it will push the electrons out. Now, I have a little demonstration that I hope uh, Mr. Titus can capture here. This is my little magnet on the table. And he's going to be ready. Give him time to focus. Ready, set. Let's see if you can see it. Can you see it? All right. Now watch when I push the magnet against it. You see how it doesn't want to stay. In fact, maybe I can push it a little more this way. It does not like being pushed around, does it? <laughs> it's like some magical magic force is going out in front of the magnet and pushing the other magnet around. Only in this case, the magnet represents the electrons. The electrons have a negative charge, so a magnet can push those electrons away from the copper. And as you push it down, it generates power. Now over here, I have a coil and a meter. And if I take my magnet, in fact, I'm going to get a stronger magnet. This is a magnet on a stick. I should know I made it myself. <laughs> and down here at the bottom of the meter, here it is, is, are the wires that are hooked up to this meter. I'm going to jiggle my magnet across that wire, and hopefully you can see that this needle moves ever so slightly ever so slightly because I'm going across the wire. The amount of electrons I can get to move are very slight. So what if I took that wire and coiled it in a spiral, and then I went through. Now I'm pushing 
electrons from the first coil, and I'm pushing from the second coil and from the second, and they all add up. So then it's like this. I put it into the coil. Can we? Can you see how I'm going down in here? And now let's see what the meter does. Now the meter goes crazy every time I go down in there. Can you see that? So I'm pushing electrons from the top coil and the second coil, and they're all going down. And then when I pull it out, I'm pushing electrons the other way. So all of a sudden, we really understand the idea of making an electric current with a magnet. Why can we generate electricity? Because we have a magnet and we have a conductor. A conductor is a metal, usually, a metal that doesn't hold on to its electrons very good, so when you push some in, push them away. When you hook a battery up to a wire, the negative end, which is where there are a lot of electrons accumulated, it's crowded because the battery chemistry has concentrated in there, you hook it to the wire, and they say, oh, we can escape. And they go charging down the wire to get away. It's pretty neat. Okay? Okay. Any questions about that so far, no. Dr. Peche? That's pretty neat. Okay, it okay. is neat, but it gets even better. Yeah, more to show, don't you? Oh, there's more. Okay. There is more to show. <laughs> I, I have some compasses here. Can you see these little compasses? They're little teeny guys. And I want to see if the compasses can notice Goodness, my, my magnet. Isn't that interesting? So the compasses yeah, are turning all the same direction because they're being attracted by this magnet. Now, if I flip the magnet over, they all reverse. That's neat. North pole, mm -hmm. south pole. Compasses are little magnets that are set on a needle so they can spin freely. And when you're out lost in the woods, have you ever been lost in the woods? Is this your confession time? Okay. <laughs> so you wouldn't understand a compass. But most of us have been lost out in the woods. You, know? you can pull out a compass, and the little magnet on the compass points towards north. Mm -hmm. Why does it point towards north? Well, first of all, it's free to spin. And second of all, there's a big magnet up north. Mm -hmm. yeah. so it's a big magnet. Is the magnet at the North Pole? Not exactly. So where is the magnet? And we say, well, when? Well, where is the magnet today? Did you know that the magnetic North Pole is moving? It's charging along. I remember when I was a Boy Scout, the magnetic North Pole was in Canada. And we would have to make a, an adjustment from north to get true north because the North Pole wasn't in the right place. Since then, it's been charging away from Canada, out into the ocean, towards Siberia, towards Russia. And it's charged so far that a couple years ago, it went zooming right past the North Pole. And now, it's, I've got an image of this. Would you like to see it? Let's look at the path. Can you see it there? Where that last marker is on the right is where it is now. The North Pole's that white dot. On the left is Canada, and the United States is below that. Greenland's at the bottom of the screen. Look where it was. 
And that's wow. the path that it's been going. And it used to go pretty slow, like five miles per year. Now it's going about 37 miles per hour, picking up speed. Why is the magnetic North Pole moving? It's looking for its compass. <laughs> Why is it moving? You're trying to embarrass me now? <laughs> no. It is really, really interesting. Why do we even have a magnetic North Pole? What makes it? And it turns out that way down below the crust of the Earth, we have a molten crust. That's where the volcanoes come from. It's where the molten lava, which is made up of a lot of iron, which is magnetic, is at. There's actually two big magnetic disturbances. One is under Siberia, over in northern Russia, and the other one is under Canada. Caught me a bug. Yeah. And those two north disturbances, they're, they're south poles magnetically, which make the compass pole. North Pole point towards them because opposite, but they fight. So our compass is drawn to both of them, and depending on how strong they both are, is which one is where the magnetic North Pole is. So the place that we call the magnetic North Pole is between those two, depending on which one's stronger. Lately, talking about the last 10 or 15 years, the Canadian North Pole has been getting magnetically weaker, and the Siberians have been getting stronger, so it's moving that way. And based on history, we expect it will come back. It will move around. It kind of wanders around the North Pole because we've got all of that liquid lava underneath the Earth that's spinning around. You know, the real spooky thing, just imagine you've got your compass out there and you're looking, trying to figure out where to go hiking, and all of a sudden, your compass goes <laughs> Many times in the Earth's history, the poles have reversed. So you're looking for the North Pole, and all of a sudden, it says it's south. And how do we know that? Well, there are big continental seams out in the ocean, and we actually have geologic reference or evidence to show that the the magnetic pole flips. Now, we're not expecting it for about a million years, so it's not too big a deal. Don't, don't wait for it. Don't wait for it. Okay, but it is interesting that it, that it happens like that. So a magnet talks to a compass, and you, when I flip it over, it talks the other way. If I were to turn this magnet, I could make a generator because I'm making a magnetic field change north-south, 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 north-south. And that is exactly how generators work. Now, why do we have, this is the biggest question I got when I talked to, to some of the students who were in our last discussion. Why do we have direct current and why do we have alternating current? If I have a very long wire and I push my magnet down that wire, and push the electricity or the electrons in one direction, that's direct current, meaning it's going one direction. But there is a thing called alternating current, and that means it goes that way, and then it goes this way, and then it goes that way, and it goes this way. Do you remember when I was looking at my coil here, 
and I was going up and down in my coil, up and down, up and down. Look at what's happening on the little meter. And you see there's a little disturbance there, but it's pretty weak. So I'm going to get my hair, big giant magnet and do it again. Now watch yep. how that coil goes. Can you see how it's going back and forth? I'm making alternating current. And some of you say, well, who would want alternating current? It's like having a friend that can't make up their mind. <laughs> I mean, what good is that? Why'd you look at me? <laughs> Suppose you were to look at this and imagine that it's a light bulb. Okay. And, so, and imagine that inside there, there's a little filament. When you run electricity through the filament, it glows light. That'd be like Edison's light bulb, okay? If electricity goes this way, it makes light. If it goes the other way, it still makes light. So either direction, it makes light. And that's how the electricity in our towns works today, is the electricity goes one direction, and it goes the other. And how, how often does it change direction? Every two million years? No. <laughs> Every second? No. It changes direction. 60 times a second. It's really fast. But in atomic sizes and dimensions, that's really slow. So it goes through, the light comes on, then it stops, the light starts to fade out, but before it can fade out, it starts going the other direction, and so it lights up again, and so we just see it as a steady light. Now, why? Why would we do that instead of just direct current? And if we can figure that out, we're going to learn a lot of science. Okay. I'm going to go back to my generator. This is, this is a hand generator. So up and down, and you can see I'm generating electricity. Now I'm going to hold it still. I want to zoom in on that meter and see if you can read where it is. Oh, it's not moving. When I go up and down, it jumps, but when I hold it still, no matter where I hold it still, there is no electricity. Why? And when you think about our analogy, it's not analogy, it's actually an object lesson of the long electric wire made of copper and the magnet is pushing the electrons down. Well, just think, if I'm pushing, the current flows. But if I stop pushing, it stops flowing. And that's why when I stop going up and down, it stops moving. I get zero. I have to be pushing those electrons. Otherwise, they get in their position and they just stop. Now, there's something really magical that happens here. When I get this uh, magnet close to the, mag to the compasses, notice how they're turning around. Come the other way. Oops, and I caught one. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. As I turn them around, the compasses just keep flipping. Mm -hmm. So the magnetic field is changing. If I run electricity through a coil, it makes a magnet, doesn't it? It's an electromagnet. And here, I just happen to have an electromagnet. An electromagnet is a coil of wire and an iron core is put through the, the coil to help focus the, the magnetic lines. But whenever a current flows through here, it makes a magnet. 
And the magnetic field goes out around from one end to the other. One end will be the South Pole, one will be the North Pole. If I reverse the wires, then the North Pole will flip to the other side. Does that make sense? Now, remember, if I bring a magnet near these wires, I can generate electricity because I'm pushing the electrons. If I run electricity through this coil and I make it an electromagnet, some of that magnetic field goes over to this coil. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because it's close. Same as if I move the magnet by it, okay? And when there's a magnetic field over here, this is going to push electrons. But then after this field gets stable, they'll quit. But what if I turn it on, turn it off, turn on, turn off, turn on, then it just keeps pushing electrons. And what if I have it go one direction, then the other direction, one direction, the other direction, and this just keeps pushing electrons back and forth? Can you see why? It's because this is a magnet, and the magnet pushes the electrons. This simple principle, I really want you to understand, because it's magical. <laughs> it's what changes the whole world, as far as electricity is concerned. Because if I have direct current, and let's say I have 100 volts, that's how hard it's pushing, and I want to change it to 200 volts, it's very hard to do. But if I have alternating current, 100 volts going back and forth, it's really easy to change the voltage. I can use a thing called a transformer. And a transformer is just two coils. I put the power in one of the coils. It makes a magnetic field. The magnetic field surrounds the other coil, and it makes its own electricity like a generator. So put power in here, I get it out here. It jumps over, and only thing between them is a piece of metal, just so the magnetic field goes through more focused. But there's something else that happens in a transformer that is where the real magic comes in. If I have one winding over here, and I put power through it, and one winding over here, I get some power out. But as we saw from one wire with the magnet, it's really weak. If I have 100 coils here, and I put electricity through it, and 100 coils over here, now I get a lot of power out. Because I got a lot of windings making a lot of magnetic field that's being cut by a lot of, of wire. But then starts the magic. And you have to think about this for a minute. This is tricky. If I have 100 windings on this coil and I put power into it, and I have 100 windings over here, the voltage going in is the same as the voltage going out. But if I have 100 windings here, but I have 1,000 windings on this side, then 100 volts in will cause 1,000 volts on the other side. The ratio of the number of windings determines how much voltage jumps across. So if I put in 5 volts here, and they're the same number of windings, I'll get 5 volts out. But if this is 100 windings and this is 1,000 volting, 1,000 windings, if I put in 5, I'm going to get 10 times. I'm going to get 50 out. And so this is a very, very easy way 
to change the voltage. Voltage is how hard it's pushing, but only if it's alternating current. Now, if I want electricity to go a long ways, like clear across town, clear across the county, clear across the state, if I wanted to go from Niagara Falls to New York City, which is exactly what they wanted, they needed a lot of power in New York City, well then I'm going to need a very high voltage to push electrons through copper that far. And a lot of voltage is possible if I have a transformer with two coils. When they built the first generator at Niagara Falls, they ran power only to Buffalo, New York, which is right by the falls. I mean, right by the falls. And then later, when they built stronger transformers, they were able to jump the voltage so high they could run up from Niagara Falls all the way to New York. And that's the way New York became an electric-lit city. Kind of neat. Have you seen the big power lines going out across the countryside between cities? Looks like great big robots up there holding wires, great big wires. The voltage is jumped up in those wires to a million volts. A million volts. At a million volts, a spark will jump a long ways from the wire. That's why they have such big insulators. That's why they put them up so high out of the way. If you put a million volts into your house, it'll electrify everything. But instead, we bring those million volt signals, wires, into a substation, which is a big fenced area where they jump the voltage back down, they run over little power lines to your house, and they jump it down just outside your house, down to 220 volts. So it came a long distance with a million volts, and then it gets down to a, a safer voltage to go into our houses. I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So electrons are pushed by magnets through the wire, they're pushed by other electrons, and that makes a current. And transformers make it so we can change the voltage. Now, there's some problems with alternating current. Uh, some people have noticed that it does cause problems for the human body. There's one study that says that even uh, resting under a heating blanket can cause uh, problems with your body chemistry because that alternating back and forth caused problems. In high school, I invented a heating blanket where I rectified the alternating current to DC and said, yep, that's going to solve everything. <laughs> Could you tell a difference? No one paid much to, I couldn't, I didn't have any way to measure it, but I'm oh. sure there was a difference. <laughs> there had to be, right? Uh -huh. Right, well, I just think that's all neat. So I'm able to push electrons through a wire with a magnet, and that is the way we generate electricity, just by pushing electrons down a wire, and I don't want anyone to ever forget that again. They want now, to know what metal magnets are made of. What metal are magnets made out of? And they're made out of different kinds. The older ones are made out of iron. The newer ones are made out of rare earths. Rare earth magnets, they're much stronger. This is an old iron one. This is a rare earth one, they're much stronger. But I want to jump forward a little bit because this idea of pushing electrons 
with a magnetic field has a lot of application. Uh, someone last week talked about actually launching devices into space by accelerating them. And uh, the idea of a space cannon where you would be able to accelerate an object and shoot into space pretty exciting. And just think, if you had an electromagnet that you could hook up to power and you could shoot a projectile through it, you could get the projectile close, turn on the electromagnet, it would accelerate it, and when it got right to the middle of the magnet, turn it off and just go shooting through. So you could go through magnet after magnet, make it go faster and faster and faster. That's what they do in a super collider. Over in CERN, and CERN is a, a big, giant underground laboratory in Europe. It's 20% um, in Switzerland and about 80% in France. It goes across the border twice, but it's a big circle and they have all of these big magnets all the way around it to make particles accelerate more and more. And of course, one of the main particles they use is hydrogen protons. The center of a hydrogen atom is just a proton. So they strip off the electron, they shoot them into this thing, and then magnets accelerate it faster and faster. Accelerators have been around for a while. In fact, an old-fashioned picture tube on a television was an accelerator. Uh, we had an amazing accelerator at Berkeley University that invented Berkeley M and a lot of other things by accelerating particles and then mashing them together to create these new elements. Amazing accelerator, been operated at Harvard University, many other places. But now the giant of all giant accelerators was built over at CERN. I want to show you a photograph of CERN. This is outside a map showing the area where this thing is, is located. Can you see it there? Oh. It is 17 miles around that circle. 17 miles is a very, very long distance for a little scientific experiment. The accelerator itself is located below ground, 500 feet below ground. That's almost oh. two football fields deep in the ground. And they tunneled this whole thing out and at billions of dollars cost. And inside the tunnel, which is shaped like a donut, well, let's, let's take a look at what's inside the tunnel. There they are. See these magnets going around a big circle? So they put a proton or some other object they want to accelerate in there and it accelerates faster and faster and faster until they get it up to such a velocity that they're able to shoot it into a target and then be able to study the particles and that's how we've learned so much about particle physics. When CERN was first put in operation about almost 15 years ago, it was able to accelerate particles six times as fast as had ever been done by any other accelerator, and it's because it was so big. I wanted to see if we could understand how accelerators work, so I brought one. <laughs> and I'd just like to show you this accelerator. Here it is, right here. On this accelerator, we have coils. Each of these coils have copper wire round around them. In the middle, 
are two conductors that carry the power to the coils. And each coil has a little circuit that senses a metallic material. And when it senses it, it turns on the electromagnet and that pulls the, in this case, a little ball, it pulls it towards the coil. When it gets to the middle, it turns off and the ball shoots on through the next one. I just happen to have a little ball here. over here so you can see it, a little ball and if I were to put it on this little track if I could hit the track that would be a wonderful thing I'm going to do something out of the box and turn the power on <laughs> isn't that great we now have power on and we also have our little ball and so my little ball went inside the coil because it's sitting there waiting for me to do something so I'm going to give me another one oh, my magnet grabbed the balls how unkind of it. <laughs> thought my balls just. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to take one of these balls and I'm going to shoot it through here. And as it goes around through each of these coils, it actually gets accelerated. That is neat. That is so neat. Another one in. Another one in. So we now <laughs> have really cool. a particle accelerator. Look at that. And it lights up the Aren't little blue tracking? lights. Now let's see what would happen if we were to zoom in on this a little bit. Okay, I'm going to Whoop. maybe get in the way. So I've stopped these balls, and I'm going to send one ahead. <laughs> Remember how in Newton's cradle it would just be one ball yeah. at a time? Pretty cool, huh? That's pretty cool. Of course, if I leave it. Oh, look at that. <laughs> it will get going here and things so. That is so neat. So, does everybody get the concept of a particle accelerator? So if we were to make a big ring thing like this, we could accelerate spaceships, make them go faster and faster until they get fast enough, we can shoot them out in space. They could be much smaller, and we could launch things much more economically. What do you think? Let's come back to, here we go, to this view. There, can you see it? Okay, it looks like I might have that upside down. What do you think? It's from the sky. Yeah, we actually do have a way to flip that, but I don't know if, there. <laughs> and this is what it's like on planet Earth. <laughs> it's like it looked fine to again. me. Yeah. <laughs> That would be more interesting if they're all going the right direction. Isn't it? Is that that is neat? And the trains are running again. That is neat. It's kind of like driving a car. Look <laughs> chaotic. That's just kind of mesmerizing. It is kind of memorized. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try and do a zoom in here. Actually, I'm going to do more than try. I'm going to do a zoom in. Yeah, here it comes. Yeah. Like we're riding it when it keeps moving like that. All right. Now we ought to really be able to see this. Can you see that up real close now? So here's the little circuit that is going to detect where the balls are. 
And it, there's a little blue LED right here. And every time the coil turns on, it turns blue. Let's see if we can see the blue. You see it? Yep. Flashes yeah. each time. Yeah. So all of this is made possible with the simple science we talked about today. The science that says that a magnet can push electrons, a conductor lets them go from atom to atom to atom. If you create a magnetic field in one coil, then another coil next to it will have a magnetic field. If that, that field is going up and down, it will create power on the other coil. You can change the power by having different windings on the two coils and on and on and on, and then all of these things result. At uh, IST, we're very interested in inventioneering. There are wonderful, dedicated scientists around the world. It seems like when you go to high school or even your freshman year of, of college and you take a science course, you learn a lot about a field. And then as you graduate and then you go into graduate school and you're working on your doctorate, you learn a lot more about less and less and less and less until you focused on a very tight, specific thing. And there you can learn enough to be able to study something and hopefully make a breakthrough that changes everybody's understanding of science. And that's what a lot of fundamental research does. At IST, though, we specialize on a different thing. We take these fundamental breakthroughs that scientists all over the world are making, and when they discover some strange new behavior of matter and they figure out how and why it does it, then we try to figure out, so what can we do with that? Since magnets do this, since electricity does that, what can we do with it? to make the world we're going to live in tomorrow better. Inventionary, we call that, we define that as the science of putting science to work. And on behalf of inventioners, I would like to thank all of the scientists all over the world doing the very difficult fundamental scientific research to get these little ideas and breakthroughs, which we then were able to put to work. The fun thing about inventionering is it's like training for the race and then winning the race is, you know, we take their wonderful ideas and we put them to work and we get to see the results of them. It's pretty fun. In this case, technology does something neat. Someone looking at this demonstration could figure out how this technology of accelerating objects could do something really amazing. I have a, uh, this may be too much information. I have a baby book. It was made by my wonderful mother. Uh -huh. And in my baby book, you know, baby book's supposed to quit when you're what, one year old? Well, mine goes clear up through the fourth grade. <laughs> Very enthusiastic, wonderful mother. And uh, she took a paper from my third grade class where I designed I didn't understand the science of it yet, but I designed an accelerator and I drew a highway and then I drew a tube. And I made the tube go from city to city 
and had these little cars in here and had electromagnets propelling the cars through the tubes. And I still think that'd be a great idea. It could be all computer controlled. Those are little just cars. Think about it. Mm -hmm. So just imagine that each one of these have people in it and they're all getting home really fast. Nope, <laughs> <The> one crashed. <clears throat> if you want to have driverless cars, self-driving cars, mm -hmm. this would be the perfect way. Just put them inside these tubes. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I've thought about as I grown older and now other people are thinking about it too, is that if you're inside a tube, you could literally send people traveling in little cars at faster than the speed of sound. Supersonic travel. You could literally travel from one end of the country, from Los Angeles to New York, wow. in an hour and a half, which would be really neat, wouldn't it? It would be very so, neat. So, as always, steady hard. Thank you.